This week has been a tough week for our nation. And as I watched the events on the news this last week, uh, I've been amazed at just the brokenness and the darkness that's in our nation. I uh, went home from church last Sunday not knowing what had happened in Orlando, Florida. And I saw the news and my heart was broken. I, that morning I had read a story of a girl who had been a contestant on The Voice who had been shot while she was signing autographs. Yesterday I heard of a contestant who was on the Mexican version of The Voice in Chicago got shot while he was being mugged. 49 lives this week got lost. A little boy was terrorized by an alligator and drawn into a lagoon and died. And I just, my heart just started to break. And as I started to mourn for these souls that had been lost, whatever their lifestyle had been, they were souls. Souls that now are no longer on this earth. People, I don't know whether they know the Lord or not, but my Hunch is that the majority of those are now going to spend their soul in a lost eternity away from God. And my heart broke. But as I started watching the news this week, I started to think, how do we process this as a church? How do us as Christians, how do we as Generation Church, how does as a wider church in the United States of America, how do we process situations like this? How should we respond in situations like this? This week, as I switched on the news, all I started hearing was the word hate, hate, hate. And while as a nation we have grieved for what has happened, there's no doubt that watching the news that our media has this hidden agenda that they are trying to push and they use tragic events to try to push on our nation. And it's an agenda that we will talk about. It's an agenda of of tolerance and acceptance and changing morality. And today is not the day we're going to talk about that agenda, but in the fall... As part of our full series, there is one of the sermons that we will be talking about this agenda. I've heard on the news this week the word mission more than I've ever heard before. The mission of the NRA, the mission of people who advocate gun control, the mission of conservative politics, the mission of liberal politics, the mission of the LGBT community, the mission of ISIS, the mission of radical Islamists. But there was one word or one group of people I didn't hear much from this week. And that was people who advocate the mission of Jesus Christ. See, we live in a dark and broken nation. And only the mission of Jesus Christ will be able to restore this nation to what it should be. We'll take that brokenness and bring healing. It's not the mission of a politician or the mission of a group of people. It's not the mission of of a religion that is out in the east and they're trying to infiltrate the west. It is only the mission of Jesus Christ that will help heal and restore our nation. And as I've been watching the news this week, in the end, I just had to turn it off because my heart was broken. And I kept being reminded of the words of Solomon as he spoke over his nation and he prayed this prayer. 
And he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And that is what this nation needs right now. Let me tell you, it's not gun control, it's not liberal politics, it's not more guns, it's not less guns, it's not conservatism or liberalism, it's not doing away with hate, as the media puts it. But it's when the people of God come together and humble themselves and pray and realizing we have the answer to our nation's problems. And so it's very evident that, or very, I don't think it's any coincidence that as we're going through this Psalm 23 series right now, we've come to Psalm 23, verse 3. Verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Last week we, we dealt with verse 2, which says, he leads me beside green meadows, or he lets me lie down in green meadows, he leads me beside peaceful streams. And as we move to Psalm 23, verse 3, the writer who was King David, David of Israel says this. He said, he, meaning God, he renews my strength and he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. A couple of weeks ago, my parents were in town and uh, we took them to Plunkton Park Zoo. Anyone been to a Plunkton Park Zoo? Yeah, all the moms in the room, like the dads are like, what? So we went and uh, we took my parents, we took uh, my little son, Evan. There and it's a great place. It had rained that morning, so we had the whole park to ourselves. The giraffe wasn't allowed out because they told us that that uh, that the movie Madagascar is actually correct about giraffes. That uh, if it's raining outside or being raining, they have they can't go outside because they'll fall and they'll break their like ankles or break their neck, and so they have to keep them inside, which is crazy. And because we had the park to ourselves, they actually let us go inside where the giraffe was, and we were, I was like as near as I am to like you guys on the second row to a giraffe. It was amazing. But as we're walking around, uh, we, we, when you walk into the park, there, there is an enclosure with uh, three tortoises. And uh, I, I, they're these big, huge things, you know, uh, with the big shells. And uh, we looked at them and we're like, oh, they're cute, you know. And uh, so we, we looked at them a little bit, but you can only look at them for so long because they move like this, you know. So we walk around the rest of the rest of the uh, the park. We're feeding the animals, and you know we see the the bear, and there's a tiger, and uh, we see some wolves and and stuff. And as we're walking around, we've just seen some camels and a, a, a and a zebra. We're walking around, and you walk around, and you see the tortoise again. And suddenly we look in the corner, and two of the tortoises are uh, I would like to say running around, but they were like really slowly just walking around. And then there's one in the corner. And he is on his back, on his shell, and his legs are going like this. And we looked and we're like, um, I'm not sure if that's supposed to happen. I actually really wanted to take a picture and post it on Facebook saying, anyone have a day like this? Um, because this tortoise could not get up at all. And suddenly we realized, I don't think they're supposed to be like this. He can't get himself back up. So we need to do something. Well, it's almost like the movies because lo and behold... Right in front of the fence where they were, there was a broom. It looks like this has happened before, and somebody needs to like help the, the tortoise get back on its feet. And so there is a broom. And so my father, 
not knowing the events that happened at Cincinnati Zoo in Cincinnati, decided to jump a fence and to help the tortoise. And so we actually have a video of it. So I want you to show and see this quick video. I'm out doing some running commentary. So uh, take a look at this. Yeah. You need to give. You need to give it like a like. Um, Almost. Oh, there, there, there. Quick, help him, help him, quick. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I wasn't it. even doing it. When... <laughs> You've done your good Thank deed you. for the day. He's like, and away I go, friends. I wish I would have gone live on Facebook for this one. So that was our event. My dad felt so proud of himself that day. He like, he's like, I'm the hero of the day because he saved a tortoise. But what we actually found out is the tortoise actually needs help because it can't put itself. And actually, one of the persons tells us, I says, if a tortoise goes on its back, does it need to be helped? And they were like, yeah, because it could like hurt itself and it's not going to be able to get up and it eventually will die. And I says, why did it get on the back? He says, well. There's one of the tortoises that are in that enclosure, and he's a bit of a bully. And he keeps going up to the other and turning them over. And so I'm like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So we saw that tortoise that day, but actually... That is not an uncommon occurrence for animals. And through this series, this Psalm 23 series, we've been talking about sheep and we've been relating to ourselves about sheep and that God is our shepherd. And actually there is a term, an old English term that shepherds used to call, uh, used to to say, and it was called a cast sheep. Cast, C-A-S-T, a cast sheep. And what a cast sheep is, it is a sheep who has laid down, rolled on its back and cannot get up. We've actually got a picture of a cast sheep. So take a look at this picture. That is a cast sheep. Poor little lamb, right? Poor little sheep. You just want to go and cuddle it. But that actually is a common occurrence for sheep. That sheep actually get in this position of being cast. And so they roll over on their back and their legs are too small that they can't get back over on on all fours. And when this happens, the shepherd has to act really quick and help the, help the, uh, the sheep become uncast and get back on all fours. And this is the reason why, because when the sheep get like this, Gases start to uh, emanate from their stomach and the rest of their bodies into all over their bodies. And it starts, starts to stop the blood circulation around the sheep. And so the blood stops circulating, which can be very dangerous. And on a hot day, a sheep in this position could die in several hours. Actually, on a cold day, then sheep will have a little bit longer, maybe a day, a day and a half before they die. But the blood stops circulation and so it causes them to die. Also, while they're in this position, then they are prone to attacks from, from predators as well. So if a sheep finds itself in this position, a shepherd has to come up to the sheep, has to basically be nice to the sheep and very gently and stilly has to uh, turn the sheep back over, rub its legs so that the blood starts circulating again in its legs, bring it back onto all fours, hold onto it for a moment while the shepherd knows the blood has been circulating and then the sheep 
can carry on. The shepherds call it, they restore the sheep. That's what it's called, restoring the sheep. Now, if the shepherd was to come and just turn a sheep over and let it go, then the, the, the sheep would not be in a, a position where it would be able to run and it may fall down and may find itself in this position again. And so if a a shepherd finds a sheep like this, then they have to act real quick. Now, if sheep are doing this a lot and they find that some some of their sheep or a lot of their sheep are finding themselves in this cast position, then a shepherd has to act. And there's three reasons why sheep find themselves in this position. The first one is that sheep find themselves in a hollow or a depression in the ground. So sheep lie down, and when they lie down, they like to roll over, like me. Like if you, if you ever like looked at me when I'm in bed, I'm like in the fetal position. I like to roll down and, uh, and stay there all night. And sheep like to roll down on their side. Well, often they'll find a little hollow or depression in the ground. And uh, when, when they go into that depression, because it's all cozy and comfy, they'll find they'll turn over on the other side and they can't get out. Second reason why sheep find themselves in this position is because their fleece is too heavy or too full. When a sheep's fleece gets too full, it gets lots of dirt on it and, uh, and water in it and, it, and they become top-heavy. So like, they just like fall over and they roll over, uh, which would be pretty funny to see, but poor sheep. And then the third reason why sheep get in this position is just, we're going to call it what it is, they're just too fat. I mean, they're just too fat. They've been eating way too much. They've been, been eating things that have been putting their weight on and they roll over. Actually, not that I'm calling these people fat, so please. But when a sheep is pregnant, then, then see what I mean? You know, I don't, I don't want to get, we have lots of pregnant women at this church. I don't want to like, offend anyone. But when a sheep is pregnant, then they find themselves, they roll over and they can't get back in the position because their muscles aren't able to get them back in that position. So this is what a shepherd must do. So a shepherd has three reasons if a sheep keeps getting cast. The first one is this. He has to take a look at, at, the, at the pasture and the meadow that they're in and he has to decide, do I have to lead them to a new pasture? Which sheep don't want to do. They don't want to be led. They want to stay where they are. They want to lie down where they are. But a good shepherd will understand if there's too many hollows or depressions that he will lead them to a new pasture, which is very difficult to lead sheep into a new pasture. The second thing a a shepherd will do, he will shear the fleece or the coat off the sheep. Which if you've ever tried to cut the hair of a one-year-old, Times that by a gazillion with a big afro, and then you've got a sheep. That's what you've got. It's not easy at all to shear a sheep's coat. And then the third, the third thing a shepherd can do is actually put a sheep on a diet. And they sometimes do. They withhold from the sheep so the sheep can be lean and strong. And so as we think about this, you're like, I didn't come to church this morning to talk about sheep being like in this crazy position. But as we start looking at this illustration of sheep, I can imagine this is exactly what David is thinking about as he is writing verse 3 of Psalm 23. See, I can't help but think about the times in my life when I've been in a helpless situation where my soul has been cast, where I've been on my back and I can't get up, and, and, and I'm in need of answers, and I'm reaching out asking for help. I remember the time at 21, where my life had been consumed by some sin in my life and a lack of rest. 
that left me totally drained that I contemplated even whether I wanted to live anymore. Remember the time at 23 where I found myself in the wrong place with a lot of lack of self-control, making a decision that gave me nightmares for 12 months. I remember the age of 29 when the abuse of a spiritual leader in my life left me to a place where I didn't even know if I wanted to continue in the faith and the calling of my life, let alone go to church anymore. I remember the age of 31 when the weight and the pressures of being a pastor and leading a church had left me so overwhelmed so that the thought of even church on Sunday morning was giving me panic attacks. Remember the time at 33 where we made a financial decision that we thought was a good financial decision at the time, but it left us in a financial hole that has taken us four years to get out of. I look at every one of those instances, and I was in that cast position. I was gasping for air. I had lost all my energy and strength. I was weak. And David, who was the writer of uh, Psalm 23, found himself in a similar position. So too the other psalmists as well. They found themselves in these positions. This is what David wrote in Psalm, Psalm uh, 38, verses 1 to 8. Tell me or not if this is not a man who is in a cast position. He says, O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to beat. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fear burns within me and my health is broken. I am exhausted, completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Is that not a man who is grieving, who is crushed, who, who is in this position where he's just on his back and he's wiggling his legs and he just can't get back up? He's in this helpless position. Psalm 40 verse 2 tells us this. It says, he, meaning God, lifted me out of the pit and despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Psalm 42 verse 5 tells us, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Then Psalm 42 verse 11 says exactly the same thing as Psalm 42 5. It says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? There are psalmists there who find themselves in this position of helplessness. They are cast. And let me tell you, it's not just pastors And psalmists, people who write psalms, find themselves in that caste position. In fact, it is a problem with humanity. We continue to find ourselves in a caste position, losing strength. And we are just like sheep or a tortoise. And we can't help ourselves. We try and we move, but the more we move and the more we try, the the more the strength and the energy just drains out of us. 
You know, this week I, I really haven't been able to sleep much. This sermon was actually put together at 2 in the morning on Wednesday morning because I just couldn't sleep. All the stuff of this week has just been in my mind. And I'm normally someone who can put stuff aside. But I've been continually reminded this week of the helplessness uh, 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 that we are in. The state of our nation. And how helpless we have found ourselves as an American people. I realize the solution isn't passing laws or acceptance. It isn't everybody getting along or wiping ISIS off the face of this earth. The solution is not in shootings and it's not in justice. The solution is when we allow the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, to shepherd us, to lead us, to restore us back on our feet where we will renew our strength. See, being cast When Jesus is around. Being on our back, helpless, not knowing where to turn. Being in a position where we can't help ourselves. When Jesus is around, it's not a permanent position. It's not a place of death. For there is a good shepherd who sees us when we are down and out. Who sees us when we are, we are swallowed up into a hollow or depression. Or a depression. Who sees us when, when the weight of this world is too much on us. Who sees us when we've been feeding on stuff maybe we shouldn't have been feeding on. For the good shepherd is the one who sees us. He comes, he restores us and he renews us. That is why the psalmist wrote... He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Who is he that David is talking about? He is the Lord. It is the Lord who gives you new strength. When you are worn out, when you are faint, when you are fed up, when you are in a hole, when you are consumed by sin, when you are at a loss, when you are weighed down by life, there is a God in heaven who will restore your strength and he will give you new breath. That is who your shepherd is. See, a good shepherd, though he works with his sheep to eliminate the prospects Of becoming cast. And Jesus is no different. He does that with our lives as well. This good shepherd also understands. That he must work in our lives. So that in the future we don't become like that as well. And one of the hardest things about being a Christian. Is when we allow Jesus to restore us. Because the work of restoration is a difficult work. It is not a quick work. It is not an easy work. It is a difficult, long work. But it is an essential work. Otherwise, we keep finding ourselves on our back, not being able to continue time and time again. And so, the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, he has some ways to stop us from being cast in the future. And the first one is this, he will guide you along right paths. The psalmist said that he will guide you along the right paths. This means that we can't just go wherever we want to go and do whatever we want to do. I know our culture tells us we can be whoever we want to be and go where we want to be and go where we want to do what we want to do. But that is a very dangerous place to be. Because when sheep do that, they go astray. 
It means that we have to follow the shepherd's leading, even if he takes us out of the comforts of our pastures. And sometimes this journey is long that Jesus takes us on. Sometimes we get very impatient because we're not seeing the place that we want to go. We don't want to leave where we're at. We don't want to go on because, oh, the pastures we're in, that we were so comfortable in them. But the problem with those pastures, they keep causing issues in our lives. And so Jesus says, come on, come with me, follow me. And I'll take you into new pastures that are greener, that are lusher, that if you lay down, you won't find yourself in this position of helplessness. For Jesus guides us along the right path. Also, Jesus trims and prunes us. Trims and prunes us. You know, sheep dislike having their fleece shaved. Actually, shepherds dislike shaving sheep's fleeces. It's like a tongue twister. If you ever try to look at a shepherd trying to shear a sheep, it is not an easy task. It takes a lot of manpower. Because those sheep do not want to be sheared. They don't want to be held down. They, they don't want to lose their coats because it's so comfortable for them that they want to do their own thing. And so the shepherd comes and, and he has to basically manhandle them and take the coat off. But once the coat is off, both the shepherd and the sheep are so relieved. In fact, if sheep could talk, I know they would say, man, I'm just glad I got my, sh- my coat off eventually. I know I didn't want to in the beginning. Like most of you guys, you know, you grow these long beards and you think they're the most amazing thing in the world. And then like you shave them off and like you cut your face. But then you look, you're like, whoa, there's a baby face in there. I look 10 years younger. You know, I mean, you you do that. I know I did that this, uh, this, this, uh, this winter. I grew a beard and I shaved it off. I'm like, oh man, I look 16 years old. But sheep are glad when they are shaved off. And this is just the work of God in our lives. Often he will trim and prune you. And it is a pain. And it is hard. And it is not easy. It is uncomfortable. But once it's done, you feel relieved. The final thing that Jesus does in in our lives is he withholds from us. He withholds from us. Did you know not everything is good for you? For those of you who've got kids, you know you're not going to give your kids whatever they want because it's not good for you. For those of you who have got husbands who, you know, just eat everything, you know that you need to restrict what they are eating. Otherwise, their belly will grow right out to here. Right? I know I have to watch what I eat and sometimes my wife will be like, no. <laughs> and sometimes God does that with our lives. He withholds from us. Because not everything is good for us. In fact, there are things that we've had in our lives that spiritually have made us overweight and fat. And his desire is that we become lean and strong. His desire is that if we find ourselves in a position where we are on our back, that we are lean and strong enough that we can roll over and we can keep going and we can carry on and we can help ourselves because we are lean and strong. See, when we understand that God's restoring work is not just about rescuing us, 
But it's about allowing him to work in us and mold us and shape us and lead us on. Then we start to understand that when the good shepherd is around, the position of being cast is only a temporary position. And if you are in that position right now where you feel you're on your back, you are helpless, you, you, you are crying out for help. Let me tell you, when Jesus Christ is around, it is only a temporary situation because the good shepherd will come. He will re- restore you and he will let the blood circulate again in your life see i fear for our nation and these the events of this past week have just shown that we are in a dark place right now and this is why because we refuse to let the good shepherd shepherd us we've gone our own way and as a nation we found ourselves cast and losing strength I heard something ridiculous, I don't know if it's true, that the debt of the United States, if we never spent another thing for the next 300 years, then we would finally pay our debt off as the United States. That is a cast position for our government to be in. And individually and families and and, and different communities are finding themselves in this place. And this is what's happening. The gases of sin have blocked the circulation so that the blood of Christ our Savior cannot come and restore our nation. And so what God needs to do, He needs to come and restore us. But this is the problem. We can't change the media. We think we can, but we can't. We can't change the school system, maybe little by little, but let's be honest, we can't change the school system. We can't change people's morality. And let's stop imposing our morality on people who don't even know the morality of Jesus Christ. Because we can't change it. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But do you know what we can change? We can change us. We can change us. See, you see, this nation needs the restoring power of Jesus Christ. And when we allow this power to work in and through us, it starts to change us. And when it changes us, it starts to spread to our friends and our family and our co-workers and our neighbors and into our communities. And it starts to spread out of our communities into our counties and into our cities and our states and eventually our nation. But it starts with us. It doesn't start with posting things on Facebook because we disagree with stuff. It starts with allowing God to come and change us and restore us. One of my favorite Psalms in the whole Bible is Psalm 119. It's a beast. It takes about 20 days to read it. It's the longest Psalm in the Bible. If you take chapters of Psalms, then it would be the longest chapter in the Bible as well. But it is a psalm of David who wrote this, that he is the God who renews our strength. He leads us on the right path for his namesake. And it's a psalm that David wrote to his son Solomon. And it was to teach him the Hebrew alphabet and how God works in all those letters of those alphabets. That's why it's so long. And when I start to read this psalm, you start to see that David is talking about how we need God to lead us in our lives. And as I start to read it, every time I start to make it a prayer for myself. And if you are cast today, if you are on your back and you don't know what to do, 
if you are worn out, if you are shaken by the events of this last week, or if you are like me, you're still wondering about how to even respond to the events of last week, then Psalm 119 is for you. It's the ultimate psalm of a shepherd who restores, renews, and leads. And as we finish today, I'm going to read several verses from this psalm. I'm going to ask Zoe if you want to come back. And as I read these, they'll be on the screen. And I want you to really take in the words of what the psalmists say in these psalms. Because it's all about, God, change me. God, change me. Psalm 119.25 tells us, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. Psalm 119.28 says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your words. Psalm 119.37 tells us, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Psalm 119.40 I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. Psalm 119.50 Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Psalm 119.88 In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your laws. Psalm 119.93 I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. Psalm 119, 107 reads, I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again as you promised. Psalm 119, 149. In your faithful love, O Lord, hear my cry. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Psalm 119, 156. Lord, how great is your mercy. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Psalm 119, 159 tells us, See how I love your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing There are the heartfelt words of a songwriter who is saying, God, no matter what's going on in the world around me, no matter what I see on the news or on the TV or what I see in the workplace or within my friends, I know I can't do anything about that, but this is what I can do. God, revive me. Revive me. And some of you, you're in a place right now where you know spiritually you're on your back. You're in a helpless situation. Maybe financially you're on your back in a helpless situation. Maybe your marriage is on its back in a cast position and you're in a helpless situation. 
Maybe your business or, or, or your prospects for tomorrow. Maybe your emotions are on their back right now and you find yourself in a cast position. If that's you today, then the prayer of your heart should be this. God, no matter what's going on in my life right now, I need you. Restore me and revive my heart so that I may be strengthened once again by your words. All I know is this. This world is going to get darker and darker and darker. But we have the answer. And that is when the light of Christ shines. And the only way in this nation, in our community, the Christ of light will shine, the the light of Christ will shine, is when we start to allow that light to illuminate in our hearts and in our minds. And this world starts to see the light. See, with the darker it gets, the light, the, the brighter the light shines. And when the light starts shining in your life, then your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers and the people who see you will be drawn to you. And they will say, help me. How can I be like what you've been? And you'll say, it's all because of Jesus Christ because of the restoring, reviving, renewing work of Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that God will revive us. Not so that we can have some crazy services going on, but that God will revive our hearts so that we will be a light that shines. Let's bow our heads and pray.